Just a quick warning, this podcast series contains discussions about crime, trauma, sexual abuse, drug use and suicide. Listener discretion is advised. I used to rob banks in the 80s and 90s and did 23 years in prison in three different states. It took 30 years to talk about the sexual abuse that happened to me and the spiral into crime, addiction and depression that all occurred as a result. Now, having turned my life around, I talk openly to inspirational people about trauma, survival, transformation and hope. I am Russell Manser and this is The Stick Up. Gary Wright, aka TikTok Gary, TikTok sensation, has had a similar story to mine, caught up with heroin addiction and crime for many years. He served six years, all up for assaults, drug crimes, and like me, has turned his life around. Welcome to the stick up, Gary. G'day, mate. How you doing? You good? Yeah, I'm all good. Good. Thanks for coming up from Melbourne today. I know it's been an arduous flight for you today. Gary and I uh, met through TikTok. I heard a lot of good things and uh, mutual people put us in, in contact. Our stories are very similar. We've both done time. Gary done his jail in uh, Melbourne and I've done mine in Sydney and three, a few different other places. But we share the same passion about making a difference. 100%. Can you tell us a bit about you, Gary? All right. So come from the western suburbs of Melbourne. I come from the western suburbs of Sydney. There we go. Yeah, I come from a broken home. That's pretty much the start of it. Dad wasn't there because he was robbed of his potential from alcohol. And then um, that's where it starts. So he wasn't there financially. You know, he's a good man. I was friends with him. Mm. And that's where it kicks off, eh? Yeah, mum's a good person. She's a nurse, been a nurse for as long as I've been alive. Works with terminally ill kids and stuff. Really fruitful member of the community. Yeah. And, um, yeah, just not having money in the home. That's where it starts. Would be fair to say you, you experienced uh, some dysfunctionality growing up? Yeah, yeah. Well, it all, you know, I was a bit of a go-getter. Like, mm. need a little bit more than the extra kid to get, get the stimulant going. You know, get that adrenaline. Yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah, and... Um, Who were your role models growing up? That's a sucky bit, um, you know, because there was no money in the home and we just had enough to get ham sandwiches and petrol to school, you know, and there was never money. I, it was never an option to get a job. Mm. You know, you're young, you know what I mean? You don't know it's a team effort at that time. Mum's working her ass off and we've got nothing to show for it. Yeah, I, I was looking up at the kids, the older kids, uh, the Nikes and the gold chains and getting around the area up to mm. no good. I gravitated the same. I, I used to see the blokes coming home from jail Within a couple of weeks of being home from jail, I got the nice car, all the nice clothes and everything, and I thought, that's what I want to be like. Yeah, it looked trendy, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Back in the day, it was like SLR 5000s and that, and they were driving. The workers could never afford one of them in a lifetime, and the bank robber or the bloke coming home from jail has got one within a week. Yeah, yeah. And at that time, you don't know the headaches that come with it. Yeah. It just looks cool, looks trendy. Yeah. Little do we know, you know. The price you pay. It's a shit career choice, isn't it? Very bad, very bad. It's something that's a regret. But, mate, you know, where did it all sort of start, Gaz? Like, and what was the feelings behind it? Like I said, I was a brat, you know, like um, normal kids might, you know, jump a puddle, climb a tree, you know, jump their push bike and that. I was doing them ones, it wasn't much. So I'd, you know, steal something from the milk bar or throw a rock through a Abandoned house window, stuff like that, you know. Thrill-seeking from a young age. Yes, that's right. Yeah, by the time I was in high school, I played up punch-ons and, you know, stealing shit and getting in trouble, just the standard little brat manoeuvres. Mm. And then um, in high school when the teachers were asking, what are you going to be, being a straight-out, like, you know, um, straight-out kid, mm. you know, full of balls, I put my hand up and say, I'm going to run my area because mm. the older kids that did that were pretty cool to me. And that so, was They were my role models and it's real sucky, eh? Mm. Yeah, I'm not proud of it because um, I ended up becoming one of them guys that the little guys looked up to. Which did, is what, did you form your own gang in that area? Yeah, yeah. So in high school, I moved, we started um, so fleecing cars. So when you say fleecing cars, stealing cars? Yeah, or? stealing cars and, and seeing if they open. Probably first off seeing if they open. From there, it went to sheds in backyards mm. then from houses then stealing cars. And then um, before I left high school, we were doing commercial shop burgs, you could say. Mm. So smashing grabs and roof jobs and stuff like that, you know, sneaking yeah. in on the storerooms, you know, where the sensors weren't, stuff like that. So we thought we were organised, but we weren't hard to ca- catch with some stolen goods, you know, and that was before. I did juvie while I was in school in high school. I think it was about 15. Yeah. Juvie, yeah. Tirana, did you do Tirana? Yeah, that's, that's what it was called. Pretty... Yeah, Parkville, Tirana, yeah. Yeah. yeah, juvie, yeah. Every state in Australia has – 
a bad juvenile justice centre in the work I do with the Voices of Survivor. Yeah. What was your experience? It wasn't too bad, actually. Yeah. I didn't. Um, I only was there for a couple of months. I didn't see too much. I happened to know a guy as soon as I come in there. A mutual friend of mine, his cousin, was from another area. And um, when I ran into him in Toronto or Juvie, whatever you want to call it, yeah, he was like, remember me? And he'd put on a heap of weight. I was like, nah. He's like, it's Rara. He goes, well, gotcha. And he, him and another dude were pretty much running the unit they were in. Mm. And so we were good, you know, I was sitting at the main table, you know, Siggy's, this, that. Yeah, because there's a hierarchy. Yeah. And you were at the top of the chain. With yeah, it. that was just a fluke, you know, I got looked after. And then, but what happened now, I didn't go back to Juvie because I was over Bergen, you know, we'd smashed out that many Bergs. I think one time it was 40 charges and stuff, and they were always catching up with us. You know, it wasn't hard to find us at some spot or raid our parents' backyard and find stolen goods, you know. So mm. I was, as soon as I hit Juvie, I thought, this is not fun. Like, that, you know what I mean? Every... Couple we did, another case was popping up. So I sort of, as I got into juvie, had the mindset as I'm not coming out to Bergs again, you know? Did it ever cross your mind to think after juvie, I'm just going to get a job and go straight? Nah, I was just in that mindset of leveling up and a job just wasn't there because I just didn't see money at home. And you still, you think you know everything at that age of 15. You really do. You think you know everything. I, I far from did. Mm. I don't blame mum at all. I don't blame dad at all either because dad was just robbed of alcohol. Yeah. You know, Did you understand alcoholism? Nah. Not not this is all things I know later in life, you know. Yeah. At that time I'm just like What was your thought process at the time then, mate? How did you feel? Did you feel rejected? Did you feel Dad was we were still we were still real good friends. Um when you, you, you you highlight the word friend, you don't Yeah, he wasn't like a dad. Because mm. um dad had a funny way of going about things, you know. He um he never ever yelled at me, never smacked me, mm. you know, none of that. He he'd always give me advice on whether he whether he thought it wasn't a good thing to do, but it'd be just his advice on it, and mm. I had to sort of learn my own way. Mm. But he did know everything because he was my best mate, you know, like mm. that. So it was one of them, that mentality. But now I know what I know. It was simply it wasn't a team effort there mm. financially, do you know? So mm. we, we didn't have money as, like most families should. And then, um, yeah, that led me on to thinking their job wasn't cool. Yeah, got, got juvie for the Bergs, and then from there um, – Come out and thought, oh, I'm not doing bergs and that no more. This so time. your offending behaviour escalated, would it be fair to say? Yeah, it's always been a level up system for me, 100% still yeah, to right this to day. That. Yeah, so I come out and approach the older guys and said, you want to put me on? They give when me you some say, work. can you just explain the terminology, put me on? Yeah, you know, moving and shaking. Uh, moving and shaking. Oh, once again, can you <laughs> explain that? <laughs> uh, pushing poison into the community. Poison in reference to drugs? Yeah. So you approach the guys to sort of get you on the bandwagon of selling drugs. Yeah, yeah. I know you say this, mate, and I'll tell you, I can see the embarrassment and the shame in you because I, I know you're a different man today yep. and you're not real proud of that. And, I, yep. and it comes across in me asking that question. But, yep. you know, I'd like to touch base on, on, on that and then we'll work into, you know what I mean? I know you're well, man. I know you're passionate about what you do and Thank I really you, appreciate that. And, and and it's really, it's a credit to who you are today that yep. you have that shame because a lot of people don't. Yep. Thanks, mate. Everything I do now has got a lot to do with what I've been through and what I've done wrong, you know. I can't change the past. You know, I definitely can't. I'm not proud of it, mm. but I'm very proud of where I am today and where yeah. I'm going, you know. So, yeah, it's one of them ones, you know. All right. So, let's get back to you, you approach these guys about putting you on in yeah. reference to, to selling drugs and what took place there. Yeah, so just opened up shop, as we'd say, you know. Um, poor mum started... Um, Pushing weed out of her house, you know. Mm. I was smoking it at that time and that was my first sort of deals, you know, like a bit of weed that we were um the techno scene was big then. Mm. So then come the Eckies and the acid and the speed, stuff like that. But you know, for a few years there, because I was caught up in the techno scene, so I was a little groover, you know, mm. running around shuffling at warehouse parties and that. You know? People think it's easy money. At that stage it wasn't. Mm. because I was using. So every weekend I had party prescriptions for myself and was also helping everybody else mm. out just to, you know, get by. I had money in my pocket and always um, had my party, you know, prescription, as you would say, you know, mm. with the drugs I was grooving on. Mm. You know, I was mixing a bowl, always pills in my pocket, you know, if I wanted a couple of tabs, so become self, a couple of lines. You become a self-sufficient yeah. participant or user of drugs. Yeah, yeah, and um, supplying my own habit, as we would say. Yeah, when I was about uh, 18, I mean, 18, 19, so I'm 41 now, Going back a few years ago, I decided to once again level up. We're not going to be better than the rest, you know. And the naysayers have always got me there. And their son goes, "Man, what are you doing, man? We're going to get jobs, and you know, you're just going to what? You're just going to be fucking a little techno head going around shuffling on on bickies and that, cooking yourself." Mm. I thought, "I right, watch this, guys. I'll show you." So I quit everything. Uh, I quit all drugs at about 18, 19 tops. It was knocked it all on the head. And what was the purpose of that? To be 
better than the next bloke in the street doing what I was doing. Yeah, you know, he he was doing what I was doing and getting by and, and having a pocket full of pills to go out on and help his mates out and all that. And I thought, well, if I'm not taking them, you know, if I'm not if I'm not putting a mix in the bowl, if I'm not um, putting pills down my throat, if I'm not dropping tabs and snorting lines of speed and that, then um, it's all 100% profit, isn't it, you know? Mm. So you're seeing it from a commercial point of view. Yeah, yeah. It's just a level up sort of thing, yeah. To make money and yep. in, in your description, you refer to it as poison. Yep. Uh, what do you really mean? Oh, it's just... um. That's my as much as much as I'm guilty for it. I feel guilty for it. Mm. You know, I've, I've got a guilty conscience of what I've done wrong. I also, it just you know, I've, I've never said I, I picked up a gun or I've never said I've sold drugs. It's just crazy, you know. I didn't come from that world, so it, it's just something in my subconscious that says, "Don't say that," you know. Um, because of the fear of incrimination? Of course, yeah, 100%. Yeah, it still feels weird just saying that, you know? Yeah. That's funny in the criminal world how we can have these conversations where the average person would never understand what we're talking about and we're talking about in different sorts of codes, whether yeah. it be pig Latin or or just, you know, nicknames for certain words. And, yeah. Um, I, I understand. I understand what you're talking about. Well, you, you probably know yourself as it gets heated, you know, it becomes sign language, doesn't it? You yeah. know, you don't speak in cars. Oh, mate, you don't, I you don't got- speak in houses, you know. Um, we walk and talk and uh, and I, I won't even say, you know, the words that they want to hear, you know. I'll be yeah. I'll be like, you know, hand, hand gestures. Or hand Everywhere's bugged, mate. Everywhere's yeah. bugged, isn't yeah. it? And uh, I remember going to see a guy and he turned up, turned up with those squiggle boards that you shake. You write on it and you shake. Yep, there you go. And then it disappears. How much? What's happening? Yep. <laughs> of course, yep. In case they're not looking at you with a, yep. a telescope. But, but that's that That's that life. That's that un- uncomfortability of that paranoia of that life. Can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, um, for sure. It just yeah, – You we, can't trust anyone. Yeah, you can't trust anyone and you're just like always looking over yourself. And like, you know – I've always been a type of, like I said before, as a young bloke, a non-fear type of guy, I thought. Mm. But the thought of living like that again gives me anxiety. If ever I do get fear or anxiety, the thought of living like a crook again, getting around, always watching what I say, what I do, watching my surroundings, looking over my shoulder, it did set like, yeah. Oh, man, I relate to that stuff, right, you know. And, you know, it's funny because – when I was doing things wrong, I'd notice some coppers following me and everything like that. It used to really bother me. Yep. Today, I'm not doing anything wrong, and I, I, I know I pick them up now and then because of my past. Yep. It doesn't bother me one bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it feels. It's and for us, I think we it? encountered it on the weekend. We did. Yeah, I did notice something that wasn't wasn't right, but I thought, and what? You know, I've got nothing to hide whatsoever. It was actually a really good feeling. Mm. I, you know, if they knocked on my door today, I'd say, come in, boss. Mm. What you, you know, I've got, come in and have a coffee, you know? Yeah. I've got nothing to worry about. I've done mm. nothing wrong. Yeah. It's a beautiful feeling, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? When, it's, when it's living like that. So the drug dealing escalated in your area? And yeah, yeah, it did, yeah. You can't so, do that alone, so did you form a gang or? Um, yeah, that, that that comes later on. What ended up happening then is um, running amok, you know, as I do, um, end up moving into my early 20s. Me and my girlfriend had a hair salon. I had a beautiful car, $2,000 car, Gainesville furniture, you know. I was dropping stacks at the strippers, you know, like big ones and that, casino and shit. And at that stage, I come from somewhere that didn't have money. So, you know, of course I was going to show off. Easy come, easy go. Yeah, it was definitely show off. It opened a lot of doors for me. It was all materialistic. It was all fake. But mm. I could go into any restaurant, any nightclub, any strip club. You know, people wanted to know me that I thought would never want to know me. It was because I had money, you know, which wasn't – at that time I thought it was cool, but you end up learning later it's not It's not that cool. Yeah. Just back on the, the terminology easy money. Yeah. Was yeah. your money easy? 100% it was, yeah. 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 But there's still – like, I think you and I have talked about this before. There's still a strategy. There's still work oh. that's got to go into getting it. Yeah, 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 yeah. 100%. It was, it was all- um, people You've got to have a work ethic, people, don't you? People used to say I definitely had a down pat. They used yeah. to say I'd do it like- What was your approach to it? What was your approach in regards to work ethic? Keep Keeping my hands clean. Mm. So and I think that's a, that's a main point of the criminal world, whether it's any gang, street runners- Keeping cart- a distance cart- from the action. Cartels, mafia, mm. clubs, whatever it is. It's about the little little guy taking a fall for the bigger guy, mm. you know. And um, so I was like in a position where I made sure my hands were clean, as we would say, I, mm. and not touch, the mm. better, do you know? Mm. Yeah, and, you know, you pass the buck for someone else to handle whatever they have to handle, if that makes sense, yeah. if you get, get what I'm saying. Yeah, I understand that. That, you, that's You'd a, know what I mean. I don't know if the viewers understand. It's hard to explain, like, like well, I said, you know. It's a pyramid-type pyramid yeah. scheme, isn't it? Like yeah. selling drugs is, or whatever is, is a – to committing crime and 
in a, like like that is a pyramid type scheme. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It is a pyramid scheme. That's what it is. So yeah, you break down bigger packets and, and pass on guys little packets, and they pass it on down to little guys, and you know, everybody skims a buck off the top. Really, mm. that's the way you know. And um, I didn't like anybody that any of my customers. I didn't like them to have cash. Mm. You know, because then they can be fussy. Mm. And not fussy because of the product, fussy because, you know, they might not want to go through me. They might want to have a look at something else, mm. do you know? So my idea was make sure I'm a little bit cheaper than everybody else, make sure my product's a bit higher than everybody else's, like, you know, purity-wise. Quality, yeah. wise. You know, have people approach them or if I had a word to them myself and um, have them want to take that, as we would say, on tick, you know? On credit, yeah. On credit. You know, I was a pusher. I'm not going to say I'm not gonna say I wasn't. I was a pusher. So, you know, if they took one batch Next and, and got the money back to me next week, I'd give them two batches, you know, and mm. if they let me go, I'd just keep leveling up. I'd keep loving on as much as I can and we just get upgraded every explain, time. Just one second, the, 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 the terminology leveling up, just explain what leveling up means. I suppose, you know, just like in a trade, um, I always relate to football, just like in football, you know, people that learn their trade as apprenticeship, then they, you know, they become a, a full qualified tradie for mm. their boss, then they go out on their own and they subby. You know, and then they um, might have a couple of crews, the mm. subby for them, and then um, they get off the tools and then maybe supervise, yeah. you know, and then, yeah, like. Great way to, that's a great way to anal- use an analogy when it yeah. comes to sort of distribution, isn't it? Mm. Yep. I suppose, yeah. Yeah, that's the way I look at it. So then I caught a, caught a case. That's where eventually it was going to go. You know, um, when, it, when it caught a case, yeah, it caught another, another pinch, so mm. another charge. So you got arrested, yeah? Yeah, it was a bouncer. From out of town, we were working with two undercovers were sent into the club scene in his area. It wasn't in my area. And they um, were told to find out where all the drugs were coming from, pills and speed it was at that time. Yeah, they ended up finding him and um, I think over a seven-week process of, of their investigation, um, they had two undercovers, you know, listening LDs, listening devices, surveillance teams, the whole lot, the wazoo, and they ended up collecting off him or paying for it, you know, obviously police money, 7,000 ecstasy tablets mm. and 1,100 grams of speed. That's just over a key. Then they uh, they had phone taps as well, sorry, phone intercepts. So then they narrowed it back to it me as his supplier, mm. you know, his bouncer. And, um, and what, did they pick that up through the surveillance? and? Yeah, surveillance. And did he, did he tell on you or anything like that? He was talking all over the phone, you know. So, um, mentioning your name. I didn't talk on the phone at that time, mm. but it was still, you know, the cops, the undercovers would ring him. Mm. They ring him and they say we want this. He'd get off the phone to them, ring me. Mm. He'd say, uh, "I need to see you." Mm. I'd say, "All right, I'll come see you." They'd watch it all go down. Then he'd come back to them, go here, I got them for you. So I was, I was in a bit of shit because they had conspiracy charges and you know the phone intercepts. So uh, they brought in a new charge back then. It was called between dates. We sort of set a precedence for it, where if I was to sell you a pound of weed, let's say one hit. Or if I was to break that pound of weed up into 16 different bags and sell you one bag a week. Mm. Yep. Because it's um, a pounds, 16 mm. ounces. Mm. At that time, being in my early 20s, not not heard of this charge yet. I don't even know if it's still around them at the game that much. I don't know if they still hold weight on it. I thought when they offered that to me, I thought that, you know, so through courts and that, had bail, got bail. I only got bail that the bigger charge was going to be worse. It was like a commercial, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. The littler charge of trafficking was a better charge, mm. but of split up batches. Mm. But what it does is it shows an ongoing criminal enterprise. Mm. I'll never advise anybody to do anything wrong, but the way the charge works, if you or me were, if I was to sell you a pound of weed, it's a less of a sting if I just sell you one pound of weed in one hit, then break it up into 16 ounces and mm. then we sell that 16 weeks in a row, I sell you one ounce. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So it shows an ongoing, so that's a higher charge. Ongoing supply. It's not a higher charge, but it's it's a heavier weight. Yeah, it's heavier mm. weight in court, you know, when it comes to a sentence. So I took the between dates mm. and they got a decent pinch on it. Probably would have been, if I had taken the trial, probably been worse off. So um, took a plea, ended up getting a five or three. Five years, non-parole period of three years. Yeah. Yep. Ended up having an appeal 12 months in because they said, um, uh, so the two years parole, was because I was my age, I was going into my mid-20s mm. and that I wouldn't have a chance of much of rehabilitation. You know, obviously I was saying we we're on drugs and stuff, taking it as you do. They said, oh, well, you know, two-year parole period. We were running the appeal, did some drug courses and a bunch of urines in jail. Mm. Oh, so you, you were remanded in custody, were no, you? No, no, no. I was remanded, yeah. then got bail, 
Mm. Was outside for about 18 months. Yeah. Sentenced. So you addressed your offending behaviour whilst you were in the community, yeah? Yeah. No, no. I addressed my offending behaviour once I was sentenced. Mm. So I was sentenced, got my five for three, and then while in jail, did mm. a drug course. And then I uh, did a bunch of urines, about 12 clean urines, to say, well, you know, what's with the two-year parole period saying, you know, mm. that there's not much chance of rehabilitation, high parole period. Mm. Then they go, they just dropped it to a four for two and a half. Mm. So six off the bottom, six off the top. Yeah, okay. so just 18 months parole, really, you know. So what happened after that, guys? Did well, you learn a lesson from the prison or? Thought I was pretty cool. You know, I was outside rubbing shoulders with decent dudes. And I thought I was pretty cool, man, and I'll be honest. I, uh, so you wore I, prison like a badge of honour, would it be? Just yeah, so? I had a chip on my shoulder and had something to prove. Mm. Started punching on, you know, yeah, punching yeah. on. Started had my girl come in. She's get on the phone and say, make sure you come correct, you know, mm. as we do. And she'd be like, at a visit, just shaking her head, going, if I get a challenge, you know, if they offer me strip service, I'm in the shit. Then she got a challenge. Um, knock back a strip search, bang, 12 when, months ban. When we say a challenge, a challenge means the prison officers wanted to strip search her because they were led to believe that she was bringing uh, transporting drugs into the prison. Yeah, yeah, they alleged, yeah. Would it be fair to say, were you sort of wheeling and dealing when you are in jail? Or? Oh, I'm not going to say she was bringing me drugs, no. but I was I was moving and shaking, yeah I, was, yeah. I was doing the same thing I was doing out in the streets in jail, you know, bulk pouches, you know. Mm. Best kicks in in the jail, and I was a young bloke coming in there, and it's like that poison gives you power, and then and then corrupts you, you know. Yeah, so, when, he, when, he, when Gary talks about having a pair of kicks and shoes, he's talking about having a good pair of shoes. And in prison, if you've got a good pair of shoes, it's like having a flash car. Yep. In the community. Yeah. Yeah. If you've is. got two or three, it's like having a collection of cars, isn't it? It's like yeah. having a couple of Porsches and a Ferrari. It is. Yeah. It is. It's a sign of status. If you've got a good pair of shoes in prison. It's a it's a status symbol. It's all materialistic, but in it, it's all it fake as, you know, when your family's out, outside, you know, doing it hard, you're inside, you know, just thinking it's cool. And, you know, I should have, I wish there was something that slapped me in, in the line earlier, yeah. you know, because at that stage. It's not prison. Prison nah, won't do that to you. No, nah, that's right. And then so at that stage, yeah, I was doing my thing again and got tipped from one prison to another, punching on and. You know, I remember sitting about halfway through my sentence thinking, is this for real or what? You know what I mean? This is, this is too easy. did anything ever cross your mind? Did anything ever cross your mind and think, oh, I don't want this life, I might just get out and work? Not yet. No, no not yet. Not at that stage. I ended up going to Balm, which is um, Melbourne's maximum security prison. You know, some of the biggest crooks in Victoria, if not Australia, are there. Mm. Walk in the yard with them. I took a step back, smell the roses for a sec. I tried to bite off more and more the leading up to that. And was fine with it. And they were the big boys. And then they were the real big boys. And you got guys in there for the rest of their life. They just kill us. They cut your head off. They don't care, you know. Mm. And I, <laughs> I don't matter how cool I thought I was, it wasn't that cool, you know. Mm. I was far from the shittest crook in the yard. But, um, yeah, I wasn't the best. But that to me was a, a badge be a of honour. experience. Yeah, it was oh, a badge yeah. of honour. But also humbling at mm. the same time. And so I was quite content. It was almost like I'd said before, I, I did my apprenticeship, you know. Mm. My apprenticeship was done. So um, I come home, same mindset. Now I just knew, once again, how it really all worked. Did your offending behaviour escalate? Escalate? Yeah, yeah. So what happened then is um, I come home and thought, you know what, we're not going to run amok out of our town. We're going to stick to our own town because I'd taken a pinch out of town. I had 40, it was a high 30s coeys mm-hmm. in my drug blue. I only knew two guys. Do you know? But when you talk about... When the, the terminology coe, it means co-defendant. Co-defendant, yeah. And so I didn't know these guys because they're from another area and it got, went all the way down the chain. Mm. You know, so it went all the way down the chain to guys that were it was single. Joint criminal enterprise. Yeah, right? so who the bouncer was passing, passing it to and who they were passing it to, they were following it all up. Mm. So I was on a flow chart at the top and didn't know it. You know, only two guys underneath me, the rest of it I didn't know. I didn't want to then deal with all that bullshit again. If that had been in my own area, it wouldn't happen like that. Mm. Because I could see what was cracking, you know. I could see what's happening in my area. I knew everybody. I knew what was going on. And um, therefore, so, yeah, we stuck to our area. So um, I decided then to tell the guys that I got working with me. I ended up getting um, some boys from each corner, some lads, you know, from each corner of the, of the town. Any of them blokes that you met in prison or? No, just guys coming up in the area. Mm. And do you know how you've got 100 kids mm. that come out of one area, like a corner of a town? Mm. One of those kids out of those hundred is going to go right on with it. He's going to ride or die to the end. Mm. Sad, but it is what it is. And um, so did you, I, do I don- Did you identify those kids? Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. And then I sort of put them on like I, like I was put on, you know. Mm. So we had most corners of Melton sorted. Mm. 
town I come from. And um, is it a big town? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's decent size. It's not, mm. yeah, it's not small. Like maybe it'll get like a little city, like Geelong. If you know Geelong, yeah, Geelong's like a little yeah. city of its own. Yeah, it'll eventually get there. It's growing because it's um on the outskirts of the western suburbs. And uh, what happens there is so like there's all paddocks surrounding, so they yeah. just estate, 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 just keeps mm. spreading. Yeah, you know. You mentioned that you sort of recruited these kids. Can you just elaborate a bit on that? All right. They were actually adults. What age group? So 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. I would have been about 28 myself. Yeah, so they were, you know, all the top heads out Mm. of their area. Like this, you know, say there's, I don't know, 10 different little areas in town. Mm. You know, I got four of them Mm. from each corner. We went to work, as you would say. So then... Yeah, our plan was not to step outside our town, just hold our town down. And anybody that steps in to our town, we saw it. We saw it. It's, it's done in jail too. It's done in prison too. You know, you get a unit, you know, you, you hold that unit down and any enemies that come in that unit, you take them out, you know. Mm. But you don't go try and take out the whole yard or take mm. out another unit. You just get your back against the wall. Mm. Anything Protect comes your own in. turf, so to speak. That's the one. What was the background of the, the kids that you were working with, the young men that you were working with? They were all from broken homes, man. Dysfunctional. How's those, you know? How's those? As you say, you know, Aussie how's those, yeah. What, like, you know, did you do your research on these kids? Did you? Yeah, I watched them come up, you know, like I watched them come up. You, you know, the ones that could put their hands together, the ones that were – you know, learning to live off the street and doing all right. Before I went to prison, I see these guys and they'd be getting around full of gold chain and mm. their pockets full of one pocket full of money, the other pocket full of drugs. Do you know? And they would like, and everybody else is holding on to them from their little crew. You know, if that yeah, makes so, sense. So you identify their the pe- their potential from a young age, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm. And it sucks, you know. Like I say this before, a bit of guilt, you know, because it's um. It's a bit how you're going, isn't it? You know, like, but I, I know it's saying that I'm only a product of my environment. Mm. I, I had to. I just want to re- reinforce that, Gary. I know that man. I know you, and I know yeah. that there's a lot of guilt that surrounds that. So I know you're not wearing, doing this interview like it's a badge of honour. Not at all. And I, I know that you reluctantly speak about that because there's a lot of shame and embarrassment going about yeah. it. But what we're trying to establish, we're trying to show you know our viewers the mindset that goes into that at the time. I, I, look, mate, you're not that guy anymore. Yeah, and we recognise that, and I recognise that, and so many other people do, you know, yep. recognise that. You're a bloke with a ripper of a heart. Yeah, thanks, mate. But um, it's just good to get into that mindset of what it was, you know what I mean? And mm. I'm not trying to traumatise you by taking you, mm. you through that. I just want to, you know, get the, the viewers to understand the mindset of where people's minds are at at that time. Yeah, oh, that's fair. People are interested in it as much as they're interested in your transformation into the man that you are today. Mm. But no one, you don't stand here in judgment on that sort of stuff because, mate, you're, you're, you know, you're a transformation story. That's yep. that's your old story. Yeah, it is. It's the road to redemption, and that's the road. It's a dirty road, but uh, you know where I am today. I'm so proud of where I'm going. It's awesome. Mm. I'm yeah. proud of you, brother. I'm yeah. really proud of you. And I don't know, like you know, it's funny because if I didn't go through these steps in life, you know, the mistakes. You know, learning what I did on the streets, I don't know if I'd be where I am today or where I'm going, you know. You don't know where you're going to, you know where you've been, I've heard once said. 100%, yeah, I totally agree with that. But it's good to, for the viewers, especially young ones to listen to, like what your mindset was at the time in case they're thinking the same thing and then they think, oh, he went through that same thing. He was thinking what I'm thinking now. This bloke's telling my story. Yeah. But he's changed and he regrets it and, you know what I mean, because a lot of people don't want to be riddled with regret. Yeah. Regrets one of those things. I oh know my own story. It's it's it's, uh, it's haunted me. Yeah. What was the next progression there? Just selling, you know, yeah. putting your team together, just, just doing things. Like I said I wasn't pinched for drugs again. Yeah. I won't say that we weren't playing up and doing the wrong thing. Mm. I'll be lying if I said mm. said that. You know what come next was ironic as mm. I was actually innocent. Mm. But as we know, the cops, <sighs> I don't under, I don't have to agree with what they do, but I understand it. Mm. You know, they've got their own tactics, mm. localism, mm. do you know? So the same way I was levelling up and using my surroundings to my best and I knew them well, mm. they were doing the same, you know. So what happens there is if they can't pinch you for something, they'll, they'll hit you up with something that they can, that even if it doesn't stick, you know, it's remand time. They get you off the street, mm. you know, to them. So you're saying they fabricated evidence against you, yeah. Mm. So um, what happened was there was a lot of gang activity in the area. Mm. 
bunch of different gangs. My gang, offsets of us, gangs, other gangs. There's a bit of a problem with one gang. Mm. And they end up getting, you know, uh, catching a case, one case that was um, went to someone's house to um, sort them out and it got out of hand and his um, father ended up getting bashed. Mm. You know, I was the only one found guilty for that. My alleged coeys were all found not guilty. When you say coeys, I just want to explain it. No, yeah. The terminology coey means co-defendant. Yeah, my alleged co-defendants were all found not guilty. Um, my head was there playing his day on camera, took a late plea, so now we're getting deep. So there was also uh, a bunch of kidnappings I was um, alleged to have done. All right, I'm going to bring some stuff up that I haven't brought up before mm-hmm. on social media. Social media is an open window, you know, and if there's alleged dirt, mm. whether it's real or fake, you mm. know, especially when you it. add them in, they'll throw it at you, and I think it's time to address it. Yeah, I've been thinking about that. And so, all right, we got, you know, charged with some kidnappings. Mm. One of the alleged victims at the kidnappings, mm. one of the kidnappings, two days after, the fight that I was found guilty for, mm. I pleaded guilty for, um, he was found dead from a fire in his bedroom. Therefore, then the media run with it. They close their net on a crew from the area. You know, we know that the media is a tool of the police. They um, start throwing allegations that, you know, we've done this and we've done that, you know, and that this guy's death is our fault. They link it to these alleged kidnappings, the fight, stuff like that. I was found not guilty for the kidnappings. No one was ever investigated or charged with murder, mm. but the police ran with it to close the net and so did the media. So therefore, the community point the finger at us. Mm. And like I say, being blamed for something you didn't do is shit. You know? mm. And um, I know the feeling firsthand. I've spoke to you about this and, mate, there's like – and, and I know you insisted to talk about this point because you wanted it out in the open because, uh, you know, you are quite emotional when you told me about it and you said, mate, I'm not good for this. What it was – so, you know, I'm glad there's a forum here that you can you can say it and, and feel for, safe doing yeah. it. Coroner's inquest was opened after the fatal accident. Mm. You know, obviously my name's in the coroner's inquest. Like I said, I was never even interviewed. I was never charged. And rest in peace – Condolences go out to his family and rest in peace yeah. to him. He was a little legend. Last time I seen him, I said, if you got any dramas, brother, here's my new number. We slapped it up, you know, slap hands, have a hug. So here's my new number. So give me a call if, you're any, if there's any trouble because there's a lot of bullshit going on in the area, you know. Mm. And uh, he didn't call me. I wish mm. he had off. You know, I really do. You know, I've got statements from people that spoke to him last, you know, people driving past his house, making threats. I, I got a phone call mm. from someone that lived in that street and they said, where are you? I lived in Point Cook at the time, which a minimum 45 minutes away you know, from Mountain. Always sort of laid my head outside the area, mm. say the jack's knocking on my door. And that was a tactic, yeah. Yep, that was another tactic. And um, anyway, yeah, I got a phone call and they said, what are you doing? Oh, I can still remember it. Plain as day, I was sitting watching a movie, just to eat devil sausages. Was in a singlet and shorts. He said to me, "Is everything sweet?" Of course, I'm just sitting here watching me. What's up? He goes, "Well, the blokes that died passed away. Rest in peace to him. His old man's on the front lawn. You know, obviously had a moment. You lost your kid. You know, mm. it's hectic. And um, screaming out my name that I did it. Mm. You know, so straight off the bat, you know, I'm suspect number one. Yeah, I couldn't have got How there. How did that feel? I couldn't have got there in a bloody Ferrari. You know, mm. in that time and got home. Do you know what I mean? Impossible." How did it feel, mate? How did that oh, feel? My, my, I was with my mate at the time. We lived together. And I just said, rah, rah, happened. And he went, huh? And I got angry at him. I said, rah, rah, this just happened. You know, I said, rah, rah, has passed away. I just got a phone call. And he sort of looked at me and I said, do you know how fucking serious this is? This old, these old man's on the front lawn screaming out my name. We're in the shit. You know what I mean? And he looked at me like, but we've done nothing. Yeah. We're here. You know what I mean? We're both here with mm-hmm. our girls. <laughs> I knew then. We're in the shit, you know? Mm. And, you know, it's a funny feeling being innocent on something. Horrible. And knowing that that fucking, the world's going to crash and crash down around you. You mm. know what I mean? Because of a bunch of circumstances. But you know what? Last time I seen him, well, full respect, you know? Mm. Rest in peace to him. Condolences go out to his family. Been saying that. And so I say this hard, you know? For myself, it was a blessing in disguise. 
And do you, think, you, know, turn, do you reckon it was a turning point? Hundred percent, hundred percent. It was. Mm. You know, it was the demise of me thinking that gang life was cool. That was the start of it. Yeah, you know what I mean? That was the start. Obviously, of it. you had no direct. You know, you had no involvement in it, and obviously, it was. A like just being a known head in the area. Yeah, running around, stirring shit up, mm. and the cops wanted it off the street. I made it. Easy that happened. Point finger at you, didn't it? That happened, and that that was it. You know, it was um, the world come crashing down around me. Mm. There's still a lot of people in the community that probably believe I did it. It's fucking. You know, that's disgusting. Do you know what I mean? Because mm. they're so off the mark. Do mm. you know? I know, old mate would be if he's looking down on us from wherever he is. He'd be fucking turning in his fucking. You know, he'd be going, "What the fuck, man? Mm. He's got nothing to do with it." Mm. You know. And it played a pivotal part in you. Making the decisions you've made today, yeah, for sure, man, for sure it did. Because it makes you vulnerable, doesn't it? Mm. When you live that lifestyle, like it's ironic and- that you know I, I went down for a bunch of kidnappings that I was found in Sanon, mm. and then his death, I was didn't go down. I was never like so I was never interviewed, you know, mm. because obviously the police, you know, they just used it as a tactic. If there was evidence or I was guilty, I'm sure you know it was ruled off as an accident. Mm. Do you know? In saying that, you know, I was blamed for it. You know, I was blamed for it by the community, by the media. The police pointed their fingers, you know, they threw it in front of a judge. I remember when we were going for bail, they said, if you let these guys out, they will kill somebody. What? Mm. You know, that was, don't let them out. You know, it was crazy. And then um, my mate ended up um, hanging himself during trial Mm. for the kidnappings, you know, girl problems. Didn't turn up at the dock. You know, it was crazy. Bunch Bunch of events, you know, like he went back to the cells. There's no glory in it. It's just shit, people, like, just people, went downhill. People try to glorify crime, and there's no glory in it. When you hear stories of that, and I, I know I've, I've done 23 years in prison myself, and I don't know where the glory was, man. Mm. Like when you hear stories of that, like we've lost, you've lost heaps of friends through suicidal mental health problems, being accused of things you didn't do. There's no peace or sanity in it. You don't. There's no good night's sleep. There's know. no. You're worried about someone's going to kick your door in. The coppers are going to run in on you. The crims are going to come and run in and give you a good torturing session and take everything you own. There's, yeah. there's no glory in that. Yeah. Do you agree? 100% there is. 100% there's no glory, you know. There's no glory at all. I wish I knew the answers to what happened, mm. you know. You, yeah, I, I see. That, that, you that know, really, really disturbed you, guys. It really yeah. disturbed you. Oh, it rocked me, you know. Let's move on and let's 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 move okay. on to where you are today, man, because so, I know you're, you're yep. way more comfortable talking about yep. so, what you're doing now. While I was fighting trials for the kidnappings, mm. I didn't know that, you know, there's a bunch of kidnappings there, alleged bad ones. If I had been found guilty, I would have been lucky to walk away from minimum 15 years, mm. you know. Was that the moment that uh, changed your whole thought process about crime? When I heard the big figures... In court, I knew big figures we were looking big at. Big figures in, sen- in regards to sentencing. When I was looking at double figures, right then and there, in my subconscious mind, I knew it, that I was over being a criminal. Mm. Uh, I'll probably always think and talk and walk like a crook, mm. just don't do crime anymore. I had a dirty taste in my mouth and couldn't say the words that I didn't, I wanted to give up the game. I wanted to walk away with, you know, from everything I, I was about 33 when those trials happened. Because at that time I thought my life could be over. Do you know, I felt like it anyway. For something that, you know, was alleged. And I'm talking about the kidnappings. Mm. When I was found not guilty, so I, for two and a half years I fought them trials and I did not have, the, I did not have the balls to turn around and say I'm over it. Mm. I was just feeling it out. I, I stepped away. I stopped being active, waited for the trials, and the outcome was I was found not guilty. You know, I was innocent. Thank, okay, so how thank did fuck you, for that. Thank how, fuck for the jury system. How did you survive in that period of time? Did you That's when work? I first found drugs. So I never had a drug problem. Like I said, when I was about 18, for 33, about 15 years probably, didn't mm. have a drug problem. I first started dabbling drugs on trial. And using drugs. I, was, I, was, I got eight months remand and then got bail and then had to fight trials from outside mm. and started using drugs. Started what was your drug of choice? Started smoking heroin. Mm. Numb, numb the pain. Mm. I at that time, there's no excuse, but at that time, I just I found something that just eased my mind. Now I know what I know. I was numbing that pain. I had a lot of stress on my head. You know what I mean? You had a lot. Yeah. Did, did, did your childhood play play a bearing on that? Do you think? Yeah, for sure. You know, I'm only touching. Look, we, when we do these things, we only scratch the surface. You know, like in in the last you know 25, 26 years you know, since 13. Wow, the amount of times I ran from the jacks and thought if they catch me, I'm fucked. The amount of times I had car accidents, bike accidents, being shot at, 
been stabbed, you know, looked at life in prison, yeah. OD'd on drugs. You know, I can go online and like the shit's traumatic, you know, but you don't you just take it as in your stride at that you normalize time. Normalize it. Yeah, you normalize it. You're mm. desensitized to it, mm. you know. Um, it's just sucky as it's not and cool. People, just from people from the outset, if you said that to someone, they'd say, like, just a normal average Joe on the street, they'd say, why'd you do it? Yeah. Yeah. Cause what would you say to that? Because that's the career choice I took. It's like occupational hazard. A footballer's always going to do an injury. Mm. I was always going to go to jail. I was always going to slip up. You know, mm. it's you go up and you fall back down. It's part of the game. Anybody mm. who thinks they can go up and stay up is mm. dripping, eh, Russ? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know? Like in the work I do with the voice of a survivor, there's always an underlying issue of someone's offending or their trauma or whatever. Mm. What do you think your underlying issue was? Money mm. made me feel bigger than I was. Okay. Money Status? Made, yeah. Money made me feel like I was something special. At the end mm. of the day, I was just come from a broken home, you know, broke for money. I was a little bugger, mm. and the next minute I thought I was something special. Mm. Eventually found out later in life that I wasn't a big fish in a small pond. Mm. I was a small fish in a big pond, you know. I found that, found that out later in life. That was a massive wake-up call, you know. Once you once you go through the, the organised crime world and you rub shoulders all the way to the top and you see what's really happening... Mm. And then, you, you know, there's secrets I have to take to the grave. There's people that I know their secrets mm. and I, I can't talk about it, you know. When you see them things and, you know, when say witness them, mm. but when you're in the know, if you know, you know. And mm. it's a massive wake-up call, man. Mm. You know, it's a vicious, vicious world. You when, know? You're, when you're sitting in prison, you see some bloke come back from court and he just got 25, 30 years, you go, oh, yeah. wow, I never want to be on the tail end of one of them. <laughs> Well, on that note, you know, Russ, on that note, it's perfect. That's the, That was the feel. You know, I didn't want to be one of them. Mm. And I felt like, you know, I'm going to get stitched up and I might be. You're progressing towards one of them. 100%. I was found not guilty. Mm. I was given 33 months with 25 on the bottom mm. and I was given my eight months remand. So I therefore had 12 months on the bottom. So what were you found guilty of? One recklessly caused serious injury and that was for the fight. Mm. Yep, that was for the fight for old mates, old men. Mm. Yeah, I'll say that was gang related. Mm. That fight was gang related, mm. but then it got blown out of proportion big time, didn't it? Mm. Right then and there, Russ, that was a key moment right there and there. I'd never shot a knife. Mm. I had to go in and do a couple of years, but yeah, mm. but I can still remember it. My mum started crying. I was in the dock, getting sentenced, and I said, "Mum, we're good. I get to live again. Mm. I get to live and breathe again. We're like okay." We're a lot that way. Yeah, I'm okay. Mm. A couple of years tops, 25 months, because it's 33 months on the top, take the eight months remand, leaves 25 on top. You know, mm. Max, I'm doing 25 months, I'm good. Yeah. And from that time I went to jail and the second I hit the yard, the boys go, what's cracking? I said, I'm retired. The words could come out of my mouth. I said, I am done. I said, I'm over it. Yeah. Finito. But when people, when you say that to people, there's always that jargon, oh, yeah, you'll, you know, in it. No, it's not, it's not a real encouraging place in prison where you, when you say, look, I'm done, I'm, I'm going to change and everything like that. Everyone doubts you. Yeah, of course. I thrived off that. Yeah. I love people doubting me. Whether For it's sure. playing sport For or sure. whatever, 100%. doubt me and you'll bring out the best in me. Yeah. And uh, exactly. I'm exactly the same, Russ. I'm exactly the same, man. Oh, I know them feels. So from there, it was hard because I'm in prison. Mm. So you're still living day to day, aren't you? Yeah. Right. And I'm not you're around the stinking, th they call it the stinking thinking. So you're surrounded by the stinking thinking, so to speak. Yeah. It's hard to be positive when negative's everywhere, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, every day, I, I, now I've got no boys, I've got no crew, I've got no money on the outer. Do you know what I mean? I'm not playing to get out. I'm not looking for people to move me up the ladder. Do you know what I mean? I'm not doing that. I'm mm. just doing my time and going home. When, so, therefore, I'm an easy target, yeah? So when Gary talks about that, when you're in prison, prison creates a lot of opportunities. There's people that are in the hierarchy, whether it's selling drugs, robbing banks, or doing fraud or whatever. Yeah. And you gravitate to your own. Bank robbers hang around bank robbers. Drug dealers hang around drug dealers. You know, bikies hang around bikies in prison. So you gravitate to your own and there's always that opportunity for escalation if you want. Yeah. What did you do, mate? Like in your time in prison, would you disassociate yourself? Or? Yeah, I ended up getting 18 months incident free. Mm. You know, that old attitude of throwing me TV off the tier and I'll punch on with whoever wants to have a crack and I'm just going to fucking move some substance in the yard to get me by. You know, I, I didn't have that. 
and um, to start. Yeah, and then I ended up getting open camp and stuff like that. That open camp is uh, minimum security yeah. uh, classification, minimum security where you get a lot more privileges. Yeah, know. ended up saving an old guy's life on Bush Gang. Mm. So we go out and work in the community. That feels good. And the old guy, um, he passed, like, decided, thought he was going to pass away in the toilet. Um, not on my watch, you know, mm. brought him back to life probably five times. Put him in the ambulance, wait for the ambulance to get there and that, you know. Got a couple of days taken on. We put an application, got a couple of days off my sentence for that. Like a remission? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I was doing, doing the righty. That was well, the beginning of life-changing for you guys. Yeah, it definitely was. Like I say, sorry for my swearing, but I was a bad cunt for a long time and now I want to be a good cunt. Yeah. It wasn't that easy. I become a shit cunt when I come home, eh? I found drugs again. Mm. So then I found drugs. Then the drugs come. And mm. I come home, found drugs. Ended up trying to take my own life. Mm. It's another story. I tried to hang myself. It didn't work. Mm. Had um, well, called, tell me about your mindset. What was going on there, mate? What was going on for you to, to to go to that extreme? I woke up one day and just had enough. I never ever tried to take my own life. Never tr- never tried to hurt myself. Mm. And um, woke up one morning and thought I'm out. I think it was depression. Mm. Obviously, I ended up speaking to people. I don't think I know the fast paced lifestyle, and then falling off, coming home thinking I can handle the fucking nine to five. Not that I was working. But I was training, I was living with a girl that was nine to five. She had kids, taking the kids to school, got my license for the first time. Nine to five yeah. is a terminology of someone, obviously, person that works, works between the hours of nine to five. Yeah, and, and um, it ate me up, yeah. chewed me up, spat me out, that life. Well, did you find it was boring or? Yeah, I think I, I love it now. I love it now that Man, I think of it. You're one of the hardest working blokes I know. I love it now. But at that time, I felt like it, it just wasn't enough thrill. And I, I was just another bare bum in the street, you know, mm-hmm. bare bum in the street. I was just another dude. I, was just another, I wasn't getting the phone calls for us. I wasn't getting the visits. You know what I mean? I wasn't going out, living the high life, the fast lane. You know, no one, no one cared what I was doing. I wasn't moving and shaking. I wasn't running my area, you know. Mm. Like, who gives a shit who I am, what so I'm doing. The, would and it that, be fair to say the ego took a bit of a bashing? For sure. And I felt washed up, you know, and I thought I come home of prison with the mindset I'm going to do the righty. Mm. It wasn't as easy as that inside. And I, wore, I was like, I'm right. I'm retired. Mm. doing the righty. I'll be right. And one morning I woke up, I'm over. I'm done. I'm out. This is not how I wanted to finish. Mm. I don't want to just live my life just being a normal person. <laughs> now I do, yeah. <laughs> you know. And then so I found drugs. I was masking it with drugs and um, tried to hang myself. It snapped. Yeah. Called the police. I ended up calling the jacks on myself. I rang them. Said I'm an SBO, first. serious violent offender. Mm. Said come get me, sort this shit out. And I had plans on um, just running out and being shot. Mm. And I thought then, then I've gone out for bang mm. front page. You know, channel mm. nine seven and ten laid out. Me advertising me kicks under a white sheet, mm. but I've gone out for bang, you know. Didn't work out like that. Me girl come home, I'd called the police. Me girl come home for a smoke go break, rolled out the roller door, walked in. I said, What do you know? I was in a mess, I was a mess. Mm-hmm. She said, What's going on? I said, oh, I'm, I'm out, what are you doing? Home? Rah, rah. It's hard to talk about, but um, yeah, and then she talked me out of it. She said, You can't do this. So, and next minute, I've got her home. She's looked out the front, there's soggies everywhere. Choppers on its way to cut off the soggies in reference to police. Yeah, so special operations group. Yeah, yeah, special operations group. They were there, you know, cut off the estate and all the rest of it. And um, so I've got her there now. Now this has gone real sour, isn't it? Mm. You know, she doesn't want to see. She's telling me she doesn't want me to do that in front of her. She can't have me do that. I couldn't do that in front mm. of her. And then so I walked out the front, pulled my t-shirt up, done a Yui, showed them I had nothing. I hit the deck. They arrest me. I get on the ground. I hit the deck. I'm handcuffed. Uh, all that stress went away. All, all left me in a second. As soon as I was face down on the concrete handcuffed, I didn't have a stress in the world, Russ. Yeah. A structure kicked in, you yeah. know? That, then I knew in the back of my head, I knew something's up. Something's not right here. Yeah. I'm not thinking right. Copper that I dealt with for, you know, 20 years, breaking his balls, stood me up and said, put his handcuffs in the front. Give him a cigarette. You know? And he says, put out a cigarette. He goes, you're not right, Ned. He goes, I know you. He goes, you're not, not being yourself. It was always cat and mouse. Yeah. Not today. He goes, and as he said to me, he goes, look, all bets are off. He goes, I want to talk to you from a man for a man for once, you know. He goes, not from a crook, cop to a crook. Mm. And it's worse when the enemy speaks the truth. When, oh. when the enemy speaks the truth to you, mm. it hits home, doesn't it, you oh, know. Man. And um, he said to me, he goes, oh, I've seen some things in my time. He goes, no, I take a pill in the morning. He goes, I've spoke to someone. He goes, maybe uh, you should speak to someone. He goes, I reckon you've had a hard life. I'm not gonna How send did you, it feel? I'm not going to send you to jail. I'm going to send you to hospital. How did it feel having someone like that showing you some empathy and compassion? It was weird, Because I wouldn't man. have shown you a lot in the past, would they? Yeah, just punch me in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was bamboozled me, man. It did. 
I was just, it took me You think back. you're up to something, don't you? Oh, for sure. I just thought, what's going on, you know? Mm. And um, yeah, I just, it just, it was weird, man. It was just weird. I heard it. I knew what he was saying was right. Mm. But then it just didn't come, it didn't come like sink like it would, like, you know, if someone, mm. someone on your side said it. And then, um, so he put me in the ambulance and I called the ambulance. And it got, funny with his, I shouldn't laugh, but I got in the back of the ambulance with a couple of, you know, one pippers, divvy drivers, mm. you know, just fresh uniform, not detectives mm. and that. On my way to hospital, I said, what do you have planned for me? They said, oh, you're in the shit. They said, the soggies, so the special operations group, planned on sending in dogs first. They had three lines of defence, sending in dogs. If I got past the dogs, then they were going to send in non-lethal rounds, so B-bang rounds. Mm. And then if I got, so if I got past the dogs and then the non-lethal B-bang rounds, then they were going to, you know, fatal off, rounds. Yeah. Yeah. So I would have to get through dogs, B-bang rounds, and then be yeah. shot to get what I was after. So yeah, it was going to be a bad, boring. it was going to be a bad morning. It it's over be, with the dogs. The dogs get yeah. hold of you, mate. You're gone. Done. The dog locks on your, your ass cheeks, mate. Yeah. You ain't doing nothing but fucking blaming. So, so those plans I had of just running out and getting shot, I wasn't going to work like that. No. You know? and, old, and, and you had this theme. I, I know the feeling because it was always the John, John Bon Jovi song, Going Out in a Blaze of Glory, playing as the theme track. Yeah. It wasn't going to work like that. It doesn't, doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah. And so I went to hospital and I spoke to some people. Yeah, we addressed mm. the issues, you know. Yeah, yeah, wow. I wish it was as easy as they fixed it, yeah. but I found out what was going on in my head. Yeah. PTSD, diagnosed ODD. Um, I had ADD as a kid, diagnosed me with adult ADD and ADHD. Mm. So, and, um, you know, depression, due from drugs, mm. do you know, drug-induced psychosis, mm. So, but that was from the drugs, you know. Mm. If I'm off drugs, I'm okay. If I'm on drugs, I go from the ninja start to follow me after three days, you know. Yeah, man, I've ones and that. seen that one. Yeah. Three people. Yeah, we addressed all this and I, I got a sense of, okay, what's going on? And it was from such a high-paced, high-risk, high-reward lifestyle. Mm. People don't understand. Like, young people don't understand what that lifestyle, what comes with it. There's those mental health issues and that that comes with the paranoia, mm. the anxiety. If you explain that to the kids, say, oh, you're going to have this Porsche and the gold chain in a nice place, but you're going to constantly have this with you, mm. I think it would make it less appealing to them, wouldn't it? Oh, like when you sure. explain it. The way they explained it to me, Sykes and that I say in front of the doctors and all the rest of it, we did it for about three months. They explained it's like a footballer. Mm. I always relate back to the footballer thing because it's easy, you know. Those footballers that um they're kicking goals every week, you know, brown low, grand final, best on ground, and then um they retire or they do an injury or something, you know, occupational mm. hazard goes to shit. Therefore, they hit they depression hard. They sit mm. on the couch, they're drinking the beers, like hey, you know, I was, you know, mm. I can this and that. And then everybody's like, no, mate, just we got round fucking 22 on. We'll see you next week, you know? Like, we haven't yeah, got time for you. Yesterday's hero. Yeah, them ones. Mm. So um, that's what was happening. The status had disappeared and you were just now Gary Wright. That's the one, man. And you struggled with it, yeah? Yeah, I did. And uh, I didn't want to admit it, mm. you know? That's why I went through the steps I did and found drugs and then went to hurt myself and all that. But I'm um, sitting in front of them. I definitely it was part of finding myself. I wish it was easy to walk out that door from those doctors and, and be good. But then I went back into the drugs, and that's when I hit the drugs hard. And it was a, maybe a three year bender mm. of just hell. It was hell for us. That was probably one of the worst parts of my life. But in saying that, you know, rock bottom is where a man's made. You know, I'll get we'll get to where I want to go, and I'm just going to you know I'll, my five year plan is to own a rehab center. Mm. I don't know if I want that if I hadn't have been a drug addict and I would become a shell of a man, I was a raging junkie, I was smoking ice, I was smoking heroin, um, you know, every cent I had in my pocket was going on my next rock, I was starving, I was cold, sleeping on couches, it was disgusting, you know, and I'd always come from an area where, you know, the junkies or the users were, you know, crumbs. How did you know that you'd hit rock bottom? You know, dodging double figures should have been enough. Mm. Trying to kill myself should have been enough. But it wasn't, like I said, there was a, period in between being a bad cunt and becoming a good cunt or become a shit cunt and that the, the being a raging junkie was disgusting and you know what as much as I didn't want to end up in jail for the rest of my life as much as I didn't want to bear every ordinary at that time an ordinary joe nine to five which I reckon is awesome idea now mm. you know I also didn't want to be a junkie and when I, I knew I, like I died three times on drugs you know mm. stabbed attempts on my life shot at you know someone Tried to blow me head off, like they were a bad shot. They missed me by about that much. A bunch of other things I can go on about, you know. And it was just being, it was just starving, being, a, you know, just just chasing that that next fix. It was disgusting, and um, I'm better than that, hundred percent. I wasn't going to finish like that. How did you get off the drugs themselves? I got to a point where it was going to be death. Got mm. to a point where I knew it. I, I never 
was going to lay down and die and accept my fate as a junkie and finish up like that. Mm. A lot of people might have wanted it, but I've got more fight in me than that. And it wasn't happening. And obviously, I've got a reason to be here, you know. Yeah. Dodged, dodged, I've got nine lives and more. And yeah. so what happened was um, I was rock bottom, junked right out, and I wasn't willing to accept it. And I was speaking to my brother, and I'd say, listen, I've had enough. Your brother's like, in recovery too, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he come for recovery yeah, too. Yeah, it's an inspirational story, yeah, your brother, yeah. Very good. Yeah, he's done really well for himself, legend. Very proud of him. We got each other's back. I got two brothers, and, you know, we are proper close. Yeah, I speak to my brother, and he, I was saying, I'm ready, man. I want out. He's saying, are you really? I said, yeah, yeah, I am. He'd be like, well, you know, I hope you are, you know, mm-hmm. and it, like because he knows me so well, you know, finish, we can finish each other's sentence almost. And um, he says to me, he goes, well, when you're ready, he goes, you know, I'll give you a chop out. And um, When you say chop out. He'll, he means he'll he'll put me up at his house, you know, and he'll put, give me a bedroom to get clean, support, yeah. give me support, you know, and he'd been through recovery. So, And did he have a family or anything like that? Or? Yeah, he had his missus. His baby, he picked me up from a trap house to go. Um, trap house is a house that. Junkie's house, yeah, mm. user's house, drug addict's house. He picked me up to go pick up my mum's first grandchild, his first daughter, had three boys, first baby. Mm. Uh, beautiful little girl she is. I'll, I'll come there brassed out to pick her up and bring her home and I had plans on when she was born to be clean. I wasn't, you know, mm. for three months after that, Russ. Mm. I was I was buckled, man. I thought, so what am I doing? Christmas is coming up, her first Christmas. And he's saying to me, man, when you're ready, because I got you, but you got to be ready because I can't fix it for you. Do you know? He goes, you need to, and it's true, you know, like anybody can say, help me, I want to get off drugs, but until their mind's made up, mm. it doesn't happen, you know, and he needed that from me and I I need to feel the putridness. I'm just, I, I hate to say it for anybody that's out there on drugs and can't rise above it, but if I can do it, anybody can, and I wasn't willing to lay down and die. I was over it, you know, I was mm. done. I hated it. I wouldn't accept it. And it uh, come to a point where I was done. I was ready. Let's do it. Hmm. And um, he it's spoke to me. Yeah, he spoke to me. Yeah, it is a good spot. And it sucks yeah. because at that point it can all go sour, can't it? But I managed to get one last chance. And my brother took me to his house. Fuck, man. <laughs> what an awesome ride it's been since then. He put me up at his house and they locked me in a bedroom. To withdraw? Is that for Yeah, from withdraw from smoking heroin and ice. Yeah. Smoking weed and alcohol. I juice too. So did your brother... Insist that it was substance-free at that house? Of course. Yeah. yeah, there was no if buts about it. He had to hear the words come out of my mouth that I was ready. Mm. And he'd heard it weeks prior, mm. but he just wanted that real sting. Like, mm. you know, I was conviction, broken. Yeah. Conviction, I'm done. Mm. You know, not just, oh, Rob, I'm done, you know. It mm. was Because as addicts, it. like I, I know myself as an addict, I can be very manipulative. Of course. Know, and just to sort of get my needs met. And I guess, you know, through experience, I'd said that a fair few times to people just to sort of get what I needed. And um, But, yeah, I'm hearing you, man. And, and I think there's a difference. I think people who really know you know when you're fair dinkum in the end because they've heard it all before. Yeah, that's right. And was there something different when you said it this time? Yeah, for sure. I just I, I had enough. I mm. genuinely, there's no other way of saying it. I just was over it. I was mm. done. I couldn't have gone any lower but dead, mm. you know. I was in the gutter. And um, I've been in the gutter and was comfy for a bit, but then it got like, you know, I just got over it. I was mm. done. I knew that's how it was going to end. You know, I knew it was going to end. Mm. Not good. And I was better than that. I had more to offer. Do you think you mourned that old life at any stage or do you think you mourned it, you missed it or anything like that? Or at, When I was taking the drugs, yeah, probably. Yeah, mm. I probably did for sure, you know. So do you know who I used to be? <laughs> you know what I mean? The old ego. Yeah. My but, ego was bigger than Blacktown. Was it? Yeah. But um, I realised, I don't know, it was smaller than Burke, really. But, you know, I mean, and that ego in itself can cause you a lot of problems, you know, this status and, and that sort of stuff, and um, that can get out of control. And, you know, for, for me, I, man, I don't want to be known as Russell the Bank, Rob. I want to be known as Russell the Good Bloke. Yeah, fucking I know. 100% I'm hearing now. You got clean at your brother's. How long ago was that? About 10 months ago. Yeah. A couple of months before Christmas. What What happened after that, buddy? Oh wow, it's awesome! Um, You've I been got on clean. A good journey, man. Yeah, got clean, and um, I said to my brother, you know, I think I'm all right. I'm clean. I started to do training, training in the garage and that, push ups and eating well and sleeping, and did the hard yards. Just withdrawn in the bedroom. I said, I, I think I'm gonna get a little unit, and he's just like, Nah, I think I'm gonna get a little unit in the area. I'll be right. And he's like, Nah, nah. nah. I remember his, mm. my friends and family too were saying, Nah, forget about mm. it. They said you need to go on a holiday. They said you need to get your head right. Do you know? 
said it's not as simple as you, it's too early days in recovery. It's not as simple as, yeah, I'm, I'm all good now. Mm. It's too much distractions and poison around still. We planned a trip to the top of Australia, Cairns. Had a couple of friends up there who were doing really well. One of them's uh, social media, online marketer, life coach, stuff like that, and successful. And he was on the other end of the phone saying, bro, just come up here. So they talked me into it. They took me out of getting my own unit. It took me into going on, because they knew better, going on holiday. and took me and my dog. Got up there and just started training. When I first got up there, I didn't know how long I was going to be up there. Uh, we were you know, having a feed together, and he's um, got social media by the balls, you know. And he said to me, he goes, man, you got to package hard. He goes, you know, he goes, you got a story. He goes, you know, you talk, you talk well, you know, like you can, you know, have a yarn. He goes, you got tattoos, you got a beautiful dog, you go to the gym, the road to redemption, because it's a package right there. He goes, document what you're doing. All right. So I started doing Facebook, started doing uh, TikTok, opened up the Instagram and that, started documenting my road to redemption. Here we are today. It was crazy. crazy. It just took off, man. You know, I, I started telling some war stories. I had a few war stories I could talk about. So grabbed everybody's attention with them. And I don't like to do any more war stories. War stories are reference to, you know, stories, things that took place in, the, in, in criminal activity. So yeah. they're often referred to as war stories. I don't like to do them no more because it's, it's, it's a thin line between telling a war story, telling on someone and pumping up your own tyres. It's mm. not cool. Mm. Moved away from that. And um, just push that positive message. So first video that started to go you know, semi-viral was um, I was handing my resumes, trying to get some work up there. I rang my mate. I said, I'm coming. Brody, I rang him. I said, I'll come and see you. And he goes, oh, what are you doing? I said, I just handed him my resumes. I'm down the street near your joint. I'll come see you. He goes, have you documented you doing this? I said, no. Nah. He goes, man, what are you doing? Take a video. You know what I mean? He goes, post it. I said, all right then. You know best, you know? I did it. Here we are, you know? Um, that was kicked off. Then I started doing war stories. Then now it's just uh, same as I used to level up in the streets, man. I've got a bunch of street skills. I've adapted them to this social media world. I'm running the ball up, Russ. Better than myself, you know what I'm doing. I've gone from dope dealer to hope dealer. You know, I push a positive message. I've learned to love, not hate. I've got a new product. My product is uh, a positive message telling the youth that drugs, jail and crime's not worth it. And, um, yeah, they're listening, man. And uh, here we are today. Right, you're inspirational. TikTok Gary, you know, it's crazy. Um I don't know what to say, you know, only 50,000 followers on, on TikTok in uh, five months, you know, I'm sitting number seven in the rankings today. It's mm. Australia and New Zealand, you know. Fuck. I, noticed, well, I, 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 I see this thing, water finds its own level, right? I always mm. say that and I'm, I'm, I'm watching your progress and, and your interactions with people and, you know, I'm watching the interactions. You're interacting with like-minded people that are on the same journey as yourself, including myself exactly. and Jeff Morgan and yeah. Danny Shannon and, 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 and the other guys. You Brent know, Simpson. Brent Simpson. Just it's, networking, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and, and Brody. And, um, yeah. you know, it's really interesting. I, I love I love that. Like we get on these and we have these ch- – I'm only new, new to it too, and you've been sort of like a mentor to me with this – TikTok sort of mentor, showing me the ropes and everything like that, and, I, and I'm very grateful for that. You know, and, and already getting feedback about that message that you have, the hope dealer, yeah. you know, not dope dealer message, and, you know, it's a beautiful thing where and, and the feedback, obviously there's trolls and that in there, but of we know how to handle them. We, you know, we've 100%. had, you know, people say some horrible things about, <laughs> mate, these blokes are amateurs. Yep. Sticks and stains will yeah. break my bones, but names yeah. will never hurt me, true. All, all of that and all of that. And it's just really interesting, guys, because I, I have some really good conversation and you're not a fraud, mate. You are dead set passionate about what 100%. you're doing. You don't you don't weigh from it. No. And I've seen people even in chats try to, you know, glorify things and you, you pull them up, you go, hey, man, that's not, that's not yeah. kosher. Because we do interviews and that and um, try and bring those exactly what's happening here. Mm. I do the live interviews and we try to bring a, a raw story of redemption one way or another. And it pushes hope. People watch and watch it and they mm. go, Whoa, well, you know, if they mm. can do it, so can I. If we can do it, anybody can. Mm. You know, and a little bit of hope, you know, and I post reels on Facebook and that's got mad traction now and, and I'll get reached out to so much by people saying, Yeah, you're helping me and I've got people constantly when I'm not on lives and doing TikTok, I'm on my phone messaging and calling people, networking, also helping people. It's just crazy, man. And like I just keep evolving day in, day out. I just will not Stay stagnant, just want better, just like I was in the streets. But this is all right. This is all positive. Um, I won't stop until I go to rehab centre, if not many. If I, if I turn around tomorrow, I've got 100 grand in my pocket, it'll be invested in helping people, you know. Mm. That's what I do, you know. I've still got that business mindset. I've still got that gang mindset, that pushes mindset. But it's all, you know, I'm crewed up with the right guys like yourself and, you know, the boys we just spoke about. I'm pushing a positive message, you know. How does it make you feel in your heart, man? Tell me. 
Oh, I'm so proud of what I do, man. So proud. Earlier we talked about the drug dealing and stuff like that, and there was a certain sort of shame and embarrassment about it. But when we talk about this, your whole energy changes and you're propped up. Like mm. you've even just you, you, the way you're sitting. When you're sitting yeah. talking about that, you're sagged. Yeah. When you come up, there's you're yeah, back, sure. there's a certain sort of pride. Your shoulders Fucking pop out. I'm, I'm proud as, but 100%. You know, this is my calling. I found mm. what I'm meant to do. Maybe I was meant to go through all that shit, you know, to be where I am today. It's only just the beginning, Russ. Oh, I is. can't be stopped, man. You know what I mean? The top mm. is the sky's the limit. I will, I will conquer this bitch, you know? And that is being a good cunt. I'm going to be a proper good cunt. I'm going to finish as a good cunt. I was a bad cunt for a long time. Become a shit cunt. You watch me. I'm going to, unless I get hit by a bus tomorrow, mate, I'm finishing as one good dude and I'm going to help people. That's what I do. I love it. It's karma, man. I have to fix the karma, karma debt. I've got some, you know, I haven't got room to play up, you know? I play up. It's all over. You mm. know what I mean? And I'll, I'll have my chances. And I took the last one and I'm running the ball up. I'm a hope dealer now. That's the whack, bruh. It is what it is. TikTok Gaz, mate. Thanks for being here on the sticker. Legend. Mate, love yep, having you it's here. It's an honour. It's actually an honour. No, yeah. that's it. Love you having you here, mate. I love your story and you know what I mean? I try to share it around as much as I can. In particular, I'm doing the... Um, Next year, there's a few of us doing the jail mentoring stuff and we'd love to get you involved in that. We think you're the perfect person to sort of go in there and, and share your story. So, mate, thanks for coming. Thank you, bro. Thanks for having me. You're a legend.